This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by HVAC Trustbooks. Go to HVACTrustbooks.com to discover how this tool can help you close more sales. Thank you for joining us. Here is how we will help your business and you today. With the coronavirus still on everyone's minds, I wanted to give you some things to think about, ideas to implement, and ways that you can have peace of mind even when the world is going absolutely nuts. So here are seven lessons learned. Number one, don't panic. First of all, you can't think straight when you're emotional. You have to be rational to think straight. So when the media is going insane and getting people absolutely nuts and frenzied and everything else like that, you need to step, take a step back. And it's true with any situation. And I, and I teach this to dispatchers all the time. You can't have a good conversation and resolve issues with an angry person, with an emotional person who is screaming at you. In order for you to have a rational conversation, the person that you're talking with has to be somewhat rational. So same goes here. You know, if you need to get away from everything for a day so that you can think, there's always something that you can do. There's always some things that will make you feel better and help you along the situation. So emotional responses help no one. And the best thing to do is say, okay, where are we? What can we do? What can we make sure that we can help our clients with? What can we do to make sure that we keep our employees safe and go from there? So if you panic, you're emotional and panicking does not allow you to think rationally. So you want to step back, calm down, take a deep breath. Or if you do what I need, what I generally do is I go run. You know, if I'm upset or I'm angry or whatever else it is, there's nothing like 45 minutes on a treadmill to get you back to normal. And a lot of times I will tell my clients, I need to think about this and I'll think on it when I run. And so if I'm not upset and I need to figure out things, generally when I, by the time I finished my run, I've got a couple of really, really good ideas that, you know, may or may not work, but at least ideas that we can try to implement and see whether they do work and they just might work. So number one, don't panic. Number two, and this is a math calculation, all right? Sorry about that. But determine how much cash you'll need if nothing comes in the door for a month or two months. Now, the amount that you need really and truly depends upon your appetite for risk. Some people, you know, fly by the seat of their pants and there's nothing saved. Well, guess what? This becomes a problem if there's nothing saved. If you don't have a line of credit from a bank or your line of credit is maxed or you're up to debt in your ears, the likelihood of you getting more more loans maybe right now might be a little bit easier, but it's still difficult. All right. So figure out today how much cash you're going to need if nothing comes in the door for two weeks or a month or two months and make sure that you have that in savings. So it might be all, you know, it might be your overhead expenses for three months. It might be enough to cover direct costs and overhead expenses for three months. And if you're like a lot of the Fortune 500, they have squirreled away. And if you look at balance sheets for most of them, they have over a year's worth of expenses in cash. Okay. 
Now, I'm not saying that we need to do that or we should do that, but I will give you what happened with um, one of the people who took Building Profit and Wealth last fall. And he was talking about having, and I'll give you the number, it was $800,000 in cash. And everybody was telling him that, oh, that's way too much money that you need in cash. You don't need all that. You know, put some of it away, do this, this, and this. And he never did. Lo and behold, he ended up hiring an employee and the former employer sued him for hiring him for, you know, breach of contract. You know, the guy had a non-compete, da 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 and guess what the bill was? Close to $800,000. And he told the story in class. And he said, look, if I didn't have that money, I would have been going bananas. Everybody told me that that was too much money, but it was almost the amount that I needed to take care of this situation with all the legal fees, which went on for a couple of years. And he ultimately won the case, but it cost him almost $800,000 to win the case. So you never, ever, ever, ever know when you're going to need the cash. And my situation, my, you know, my thought process is have as much as you possibly can have. All right. So that's number two. Number three is once you know that number, figure out how to save cash. Now, it's probably going to be pretty hard to do it over the next couple of weeks, but you can start. I talk about this a lot, and my thing is always save 1% of every dollar that comes in the door. So if you get a check for $10,000 in the door, you put $100 into a savings account, and you have $9,900 left to deal with whatever you need to deal with, all right? Now, I promise you, you will not miss the, the $100. Now, yes, it goes into your savings account, so you're not spending it, but from an operations standpoint, the likelihood of you missing 1% is pretty small unless you're so cash strapped that even 1% won't work. But for the majority of us, I'd say 99% of us, maybe even more than 99%, taking the 1% and putting in a savings account is important. Now, it's really easy to do that. And it's really easy not to do that. I will tell you, one of one of my clients said to me at the beginning of this week when all the stuff was going bananas, he said, I am so glad you made me put that 1% away. I have X number of dollars. I'm not telling you what X is. And my line of credit is zero. Had I not have that, I'd be freaking out right now. Or I'd be worried was his exact words. But he had the money in the bank. He could sleep knowing that the company would stay in business and it was strong because there was cash behind them. So number one, you know, save cash, 1% comes in the door. Now you don't have to do this every time. Put your initial savings account where you have your checking account and just do the transfer once a week on Fridays if you want to do it. Or if you want the discipline of doing it every single time, uh, that's fine. Either or is fine. All right. So what else can you do in addition to saving that 1%? For those of you who are residential, I would save whenever possible all of your maintenance agreement money that comes in the door. One of my clients is on monthly recurring billing and they have the credit card company put the monthly recurring billing dollars in a savings account rather than into their operations account. So they don't see it in their operations account and their savings account builds up a little bit every single month. And yes, there have been times they've needed needed it to fund payroll or something along those lines. But as a general rule, every single month, 
that money goes in and, you know, as they enroll more and more maintenance agreement clients, then more and more dollars comes into that savings account. At some point, it will actually cover the entire overhead of that particular company. And then you sleep perfectly at night because you know your overhead is always covered no matter what happens. And that's pretty cool. For those of you who do commercial, I would suggest putting anywhere between 2 and 5% of your commercial revenues in a savings account in addition to the 1%. It, generally, that will not hurt you unless you're just so tight with the maintenance agreement dollars that you can't put that much in. Put 1% in. Just you know, put something away from your maintenance agreement revenues from those of you who are commercial. Okay, when we get back... I'm going to give you the other four. Let me just review the first three. Number one, don't panic. Number two, determine how much cash you'll need if nothing comes in the door for a month or two months. Number three, once you know this number, save cash for the next time this happens. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. I've seen my client salespeople struggle when a customer asks why they should use your company rather than the competition when your price is higher and you both are proposing the same equipment. I've seen technicians struggle when customers ask them whether they should replace an 18-year-old air conditioner. And most salespeople and technicians never ask the one question that most customers are concerned about, yet never ask. Can I trust you? I found a tool that gives your salespeople and technicians the ammunition to answer this question and more. And the tool works. How do I know? 68% of my clients are using it to increase sales and referrals. What is it? A trust book with your name on it as the author. More details are at HVACTrustBooks.com. Warning, there is only one contractor per area that can get these great books. Some areas are already taken. They've gone to my clients. If you want your area and want to have a tool for your salespeople and technicians to increase referrals and sales, then go to HVACTrustBooks.com now and reserve your area. Eliminate costly warranty leak repair headaches. Three years ago, Ruth King wrote a leak policy letter for one of her clients who was dealing with huge warranty leak issues. When she gave the letter to technicians and trained them on how to use it, warranty leaks went from zero, that's right, zero. Then, she gave the letter to one of her other clients and any contractor who wanted it. The results? The same. Zero warranty leak repairs. The unexpected benefits? An increase in replacement sales. Ruth shares the letter with anyone and everyone who wants it. So, get your sample leak policy letter for free. No strings, no catches, no guarantee of results. Go to hvacchannel.tv or call us at 877-520-4321. Click on the link in the middle of the homepage to get your free leak policy letter. I hope you experience zero warranty leak repairs and eliminate a major costly headache. We're back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. I'm talking about seven lessons learned from the coronavirus pandemic. And number four is to find work. It's still out there. There have been variations across the country, and those of us who've been in the South have remained fairly busy. Those who are up North, not so much. But I have a contractor I work with in Maine, and their service managers went out and knocked on doors to find work, and he got it. So this was work to keep the guys busy, making sure that you have a tickler file. Um, Customers may say yes, customers may say no, but at least you're talking to people and doing something that is very proactive rather than necessarily reactive. If you sit back and go, oh, well, it was me, and you put your head, you know, on your pillow and 
throw the covers over your head and, and wait till the media says, it's fine to come out now. You're not doing anybody any good. You know, be proactive. Go out and get see whether you can find work. I would not be surprised. I mean, I would be fairly confident that you will find some work. And that will make you feel better, you know. And at that particular point, you can go and get more work for the guys to do and keep knocking on doors. Be proactive rather than reactive. Number five. If for those of you who where everything is shutting down and you have to cut hours, then do it. Or if you're shutting down for X period of time, then you just have to do it. Um, what we've done with most of my clients is we've cut, you know, maybe 25% of their hours, you know, going to a 30-hour week rather than a 40-hour week and looking at the number of billable hours and saying to everybody, look, we don't know how long this is going to last. We really think that it's the situation that there will be pent-up demand because everybody is just moving everything forward. It's not like a, a airplane or a hotel or something like that. If you don't sell a room that night, you lose that revenue. Or you don't sell that airplane seat, you lose that revenue. We can just push things forward, you know, a couple, a month or six weeks or whatever it turns out to be. And there'll be work, and I think this summer will be really busy. Again, I don't have a crystal ball. That's just my supposition and my what my gut is telling me. So what we've said to everybody is that, you know, we'll guarantee we'll make up the hour sometime this year. It's just, you know, we want to make sure we have sufficient cash flow to continue keeping you employed and continue to pay you um, during this period of crisis rather than laying everybody off. And so far, everybody's been okay with that. It's not fun that it has to happen, but it did. All right. And number six. This is a great reason to get rid of your dead weight. And this sounds absolutely crazy, but if there's been an employee and I and who's just been not pulling their weight is obnoxious and grumpy and negative and whatever and you know that they're not profitable and productive for you, this is the perfect excuse to say bye. And I know a lot of the larger companies have already done that. And this has been their excuse to actually get rid of the dead weight. And I see this all the time in recessions. It's always the excuse to get rid of the people who are not pulling their weight and people who are not performing. So if they're not performing, this is a perfect reason to say bye. It's a good excuse. And you know who they are. And you may have kept them on for months trying to make it work. And if it's not working, now's the time to say bye. All right. And last but last, not least, number seven is don't have all of your eggs in one industry or with one customer. Unfortunately, uh, some of the contractors out there, you know, specialize in you know restaurant or hospitality or travel or something like that. You know, one of my clients has like eighty percent of their business with restaurants and in an area where restaurants are closed down and that's really tough because you have so many eggs in that basket if that particular industry i.e the restaurants goes away for a little bit which it did you're stuck you got to go out and scramble and find work in other industries so my rule of thumb is no more than 20 percent of your revenue should come from one customer or 20 percent of your revenue should come from one industry and a customer can do the same thing. You know, many years ago, my husband had more than 50% of his income 
with a Fortune 500 company. They did gave him more and more and more work, and he stopped taking work from other people. And as a result, they pulled the rug under him at some point in time and said, we're done. That's scrambling. He learned his lesson the hard way. And that, that was before I knew him, by the way. And it really did. It taught him a lot to make sure that you diversify. And I've learned that lesson too. And look at your customer base. Make sure that no one customer has more than 20% of your revenues. Make sure that no one industry has more than 20% of your revenues. Okay, so that's what I've seen with the coronavirus and some things in, that you can do. And I would caution you and warn you that says, okay, you know, it's right after it and everything started to come back to normal and you start doing these things. Please don't make it like a New Year's resolution where you do it for a month and then quote unquote, go back to normal. A lot of this stuff that I've talked about and a lot of these things and seven things that I've talked about are really things that you can put in place and should put in place for the health of your business. And once this is over, there will be another one. It may not be for 10 or 20 years, but guess what? There will be something else that either a major recession or another virus that causes a pandemic or something else will happen that affects the economy worldwide or only in the United States or only in your area. Um, but something else will happen. It's just the nature of the beast. It's a cyclical nature of the economic cycle. So just be careful. So let me give you the seven things again. Number one, don't panic. Number two, determine how much cash you will need if nothing comes in the door for a month or two. Number three, save the cash that you need for the next time this happens. You know, take, put 1% away and all of your maintenance agreement money away. If you can, put a couple of percent of your commercial maintenance agreement money away every single time you get the revenues in the door for your commercial maintenance agreements. Find work. Be proactive rather than reactive. Go out and knock on doors if you have to make a special deal from your maintenance clients. But, you know, stay, stay productive. Stay proactive rather than reactive. Number five is cut hours if you have to. You probably want to guarantee the lost hours will be paid by the end of the year or within some specific time. Number six, this is a great reason to get rid of the dead weight. And number seven, don't have all of your eggs in one industry or one customer. No more than 20% of your revenue should come from one industry or one customer. So thank you for joining us. Choose one thing you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tax strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.